It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Here we go, everybody. Welcome to the Week 4 Matchup Podcast here at FantasyPoints.com. I'm John Hansen. Greg Cosell is standing by. We are recording this podcast on Wednesday night, 7.30 Eastern. Greg's been in the film room. This podcast, a little bit of a teaser in terms of the content that we receive from Greg Cosell, direct from the film room. Greg, Adam, and I do a Thursday live stream. It's about Let's call it 75 minutes, and we cover all the matchups, not every single angle, or else we'd be there four hours. But uh, this podcast, just a little taste here. Greg's still working through the film as well here. Greg, are you ready to go? How are you? John, I'm, uh, I think I'm ready to go. You know, I think I can probably speak in somewhat coherent sentences. I don't know if I can, though, Greg. Uh, <laughs> not a lot of sleep last night. I was up burning the midnight oil, 4.20 in the morning. Greg. I would, that's when I get up. I know it's, it's absolutely absurd. I got, I got my hands, you know, we work with, uh, the, the folks over at sports info solutions. And now with three games in the books, got some data here, Greg, you know, so I, I kind of hand wash, if you will, every single projection. And I look at a, a ton of data. Yeah. So it See, really, that's the it, difference, John. I just make up my data. You actually look at it. No, you know, the one thing I always, <laughs> yeah, no, the one thing I always say is I challenge anyone to challenge me on a projection because it, it's all based on fact and reality. There's a little a human element involved there, right. but I can break down any projection for you and exactly explain why it is that, but that's neither here nor there, Greg, you know, and by the way, when I do that on a Tuesday night, that's just kind of an initial rollout. I'm still learning about the week and I'm talking to you right now and we're going to do the live stream. So I continually tweak them as the, all right, well, let's, uh, let's get to it. Let's talk Joe Burrow because Burrow of course kicks off week four, uh, hosting the Jaguars. When you uh, popped in the tape on Joe Burrow, let's, let's ask (coughs) it this way. Do you get a warm and fuzzy feeling right now? You know, I like Joe Burrow. I think he's a very comfortable player. I think the ball this year comes out with a little more juice. Um, I think they do some good things offensively. Don't forget they were missing T. Higgins uh, this week. So uh, they had other players. You know, he didn't have to throw a lot. Uh, so therefore, from a fantasy standpoint, you know, obviously he did throw the two touchdowns to uh, Chase and one to uh, Boyd, which is just an unbelievable uh, run after catch by Boyd. But um, uh, I I think Burrow is a very comfortable player. I think he's refined. I think he knows where to go with the ball. Uh, And, uh, you know, I think he'll just continue to get better. Now, they also played a Steelers defense. Everybody talks about the Bengals' O-line. They played a Steelers defense that, quite honestly, did not have pass rushers. Melvin Ingram was really the only one. They moved him around a lot. But because Watt was out, Highsmith was out, this was not your normal Steeler defense. Uh, The one thing that I've noticed in watching – this Bengals offense throughout the first three games is how many snaps of empty that they play. And when teams go empty, there's a couple of reasons for that. Now he's been an empty more the second most in the league behind Matthew Stafford. 
So when teams go empty, most people say, well, the defense declares. They do, yes, but there's also coverage predictability when you go empty, John. And that's why teams, if they have a quarterback that they feel is a quick processor and and can you can run certain route concepts knowing what coverages you're going to get and burrow is certainly a quick processor do you see what coverage you're dealing with when you have like joe mixon lined up out wide for example and empty well you will i mean i can't sit here and tell you exactly what every you know what every team's coverage will be when they play the 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 bengals you know yeah. I, that i can't tell you <clears throat> but you're going to get specific coverage is based on exactly what you said based on receiver distribution and location. So now is there anything to the notion that that also speeds up a play maybe you get the ball out quickly because it seems like that's what they're doing. Well normally um, you don't go with deep drops when you're when you're right. playing uh when you're out of empty sets. So yes, right. you're not everything is quick game three step drop, but you can do five step drops and then just get the ball out because like I said, there's a there's a coverage predictability there, so you know where you're gonna go with the football. Now he's averaging eight point five yards an attempt. It it seems to me that's really on the strength of a couple of big plays by Jamar Chase. Do you notice them uh catering their play calling a little bit? to a man coming off an ACL. He's only got nine yards rushing, and it does seem like they're they're getting that ball out quick for the most part. Yeah, and I think he's comfortable with Chase. I mean, when you look at that 34-yard touchdown he threw this week, that was a really interesting play because what happened is the corner bailed, uh, who was over Chase. It was Pierre. He bailed before the snap. And normally when you see the corner bail, you don't throw a deep ball because he's already bailing on you. But he threw it, made a great, great throw. Chase got on top of him, um, you know, separated late. Uh, it, was, it was a big-time throw by Burrow. But I think that he definitely feels comfortable with Chase. But I don't get the sense that they're building their their pass game around. We have to get the ball to Chase. Yeah, it's just kind of a couple of individual big plays, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Yeah. I think it's a pretty well-designed pass game. I mean, they they worked Boyd in this game a few times because the Steelers were in in nickel, and what happened was is they were able to work Boyd from the inside slot to trips against a linebacker. Um, the touchdown he caught was a whip route. He was matched against Bush, and he beat Bush. I mean, he should have been tackled, obviously, after that, but that's not the point. He beat Bush on the route. It was just it was just a whip route, I believe, on probably third, maybe third and short, and they they were doing it to get a first down. I think, yeah, it was third and two. So you're you're of the opinion that uh, right now Zach Taylor and you know play calling is pretty solid. Yeah, I mean okay. obviously they're going to play better fronts than the Steelers because the Steelers are missing people. Um, this week they have um, well, they got the Jags. Jags on Thursday night, right? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I would expect I would expect this to be a good offensive game. Oh, no question about it. And then not to harp on them, but, you know, how does the O-line look? I mean, I know they're getting a ball out, but it seems like that's holding up fairly well. Yeah, and I think this was the first start for Jackson Carmen, the rookie from Clemson who started at right guard. Um, and I thought he did a pretty good job. All right, nice, nice, nice. Well, we can uh, move on. Let's um, let's talk a little Sam Darnold. And I, I did like Dan Arnold as a Yeah, and he's sleeper. gone. Yeah. Well, it must mean they like Tremble. Oh yeah, 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 no doubt. No, oh yeah. I, when you said I, you said he's gone, I thought you said John. I thought you had a point there. No, yeah, no doubt. 
no doubt. I, I liked uh, what I saw from Trumbull. I mean, that kid is fast as hell with the ball in his hands there. Um, but back to back to Darnold, I, I'm bringing it up because I know Troy Aikman brought it up on the broadcast, but you know we've always said this about Darnold. This is the problem. He's a little bit of a tease. I like Dan Arnold to make some plays, but based on this matchup last week, and <clears throat> Troy Aikman kept bringing it up, I know there was one play where he was wide open, I thought, running deep down the seam, and Sam just didn't throw it. That continues to be an issue with Sam Darnold? Uh, not as much as it used to be. Okay. I think he'll leave a throw on the field here or there. I mean, ob- that was an obvious one. And that play came after maybe two plays earlier. You know, he threw it to, to uh, Arnold down the seam, and the safeties didn't quite split the way Darnold thought they probably were going to. Yeah. And it was an incompletion, and Arnold got hit. Um, but I don't think that's been as big a problem. I okay. th- they're really good with play action. I mean, it's been a foundational part of their passing game. Uh, they'll continue to do it. It's To me, it's not a function of McCaffrey. They can still do it. And he's been really, really good uh, off play action through three games. Um, you know, every once in a while, he's a beat late with throws, even throws with, that are complete. But I think for the most part, they've done a really good job with him as well in defining throws so he doesn't have to sit in the pocket because he's another guy that's not a late, in, you know, he's not a late in the down pocket quarterback. So you that, was my analysis. that was my analysis uh, of this from, from day one, from March. Uh, really feel good about Joe Brady. I, I kept saying kind of jokingly, but not that if Joe Brady can coax a career out of Sam Darnold, uh, my man's going to get a head coaching job uh, ASAP. I mean, you know, and, and I think they do a good job with their route concepts. Moore's predominantly the boundary X, but he's not the boundary X on every snap. They do a good job with boot action, uh, get him outside the pocket. Um, and those throws are defined when you get him outside. This past week, they played, you know, a defense that played a ton of zone. That They played the Cowboys in a very big game this week, and the Cowboys play a lot of man. So this yeah, will be so- an interesting test. The Cowboys have become much more multiple with their front looks. They move Parsons around. They move people around. They show you different looks. They, they put a lot of people on the line of scrimmage. So – this will be a, a much tougher matchup for Darnold and for the entire offense. Because I don't. The one thing I, I think, John, is I don't think their old line is really that good. Well, yeah, that's where I was going to go with this. Because yeah. I mean, it, it wouldn't be shocking to see Darnold have like a bad game. I I agree. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to have a bad game, but right. I think I think there is potential issues that could lead to that. Yes. You were right about Devontae Smith and Trayvon Diggs last week. He didn't travel. Yeah, yeah. he did not. And yeah. I wasn't sure. Although um, Diggs is, is a hell of a corner now. That oh. interception he made, you know, for people who just think Smith fell down and that's why he made the play. No way. They, they don't really know. That was as good a corner play as you could make. I mean, That was that a five-year veteran play. Correct. Really impressive. I, I mean, mean, he, he baited Jalen Hurts into throwing the ball. He read the drop of the quarterback. He jumped the route by Smith. He read the reduced split by Smith. Knew by the, the the split it was going to be an out route. He broke on that route before Diggs before Hertz even started his delivery. How much? Not to bounce around, but how much of an indictment was that individual play in terms of where Jalen Hurts is, where he might you know just reside at this point. You know, in terms of seeing things crystal clear, so you don't make those t- type of bad decisions. He's got a ways to go. I mean, you know, it's 
safety yet. Right now, for a lot of throws, he's he's throwing the ball out of the huddle. You know, if, if, if the receiver's there, it's going to look like a really pretty play. Like the first play of the game, when he hit Goddard, you know, for the yeah. big play, yeah. um, which I thought was a bust by the Cowboys, or, or a mistake, if not an outright bust. But, I mean, that was the throw. He dropped back. Goddard was open. He threw it. First mm-hmm. play of the third quarter. The, that was a bust. He hit Goddard for another big play. Um, so... I think he's still at that point in his career where he throws the play call. And if he doesn't feel like that's there, he'll probably run. Not a progression reader, I guess. Uh, Not yet. I mean, will he become one? That's hard to say. Yeah. Back to Panthers, Cowboys. Got to think, though, Diggs will look to DJ Moore because Moore is obviously the one here. I would think so. I mean, yes, I, I, I was thinking about that because I knew I'd be talking to you tonight. And when I watch that tape, the Cowboy tape and then the, the Panthers tape, I'm thinking, you know, I think that's probably going to be the matchup. Because uh, well, more predominantly good. lines up outside. That'd be good news for for Robbie Anderson. Give him a chance. And and I think Terrence Marshall. I like pretty, Terrence Marshall. He looks pretty damn good out there, yeah, Greg. Yeah, I like him. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, did you have any thoughts on what you saw at Chuba or did you not see Chuba? I did, and I studied him his last two years in college. He had a he looked. I thought he'd be a really good NFL back based on his 2019 season. I heard from people he kind of checked out of this past season, you know, 2020. Um, he's not McCaffrey, but he's he can catch the ball. You don't have to cut back on. You know, you might not give him the ball 20. You might not have him to have 25 touches, John, or 28 yeah. touches like you do with McCaffrey. But I don't think it's going to change their offense in any way. He's got a lot of juice. Yeah. He? Oh, he yeah. Does. No, he's. It'll be interesting. He was a big time volume back in 2019 at Oklahoma State. Well, let's go back since we touched on Hurts uh, and the Eagles. And again, not to play, uh, you know, Monday morning quarterback or anything like that. But you know, we were so impressed by the Eagles' approach week one. It's like there you go, guys. Nice first effort, and then week two was not good. And week three seemed worse. Um, I, I know it's overly simplistic, but you, you can't give Miles Sanders his first carry on the road in what, mid-second half, a quarter? First carry came on fourth possession in the second quarter. Again, you know, not to be overly simplistic, but it just it just didn't seem like they came prepared at all. Well, Hertz has dropped back 116 times in three games. 98 have been out of the shotgun. Now, to me... The Eagles do not have a meaningful, not to me, the tape tells you this. The Eagles do not have a meaningful, conventional play-action pass game. By conventional, I mean Hurts under center. You know, when I was watching that game on TV and then watching the tape, I thought the same thing. I said to myself, you know, because obviously they're playing the Cowboys, I said, remember Prescott's first year? He came out of Mississippi State. There were definite, legitimate questions about him. The Cowboys had Emmett, uh, not Emmett. They had uh, Zeke, Zeke, and they had a good O line. Okay, now the Eagles yep. unfortunately have lost some people on the O line, but yeah. And I thought to myself, what I'd love to see, and he, I'm not there every day. They know more about their players than I do. But just as someone who watches tape, here's what I'd like: I'd, I would love to see this. I'd love to see them put Hertz under center, start the offense with the run game. They have two good backs. If you don't feel like Sanders can carry 20 or 22 times a game, you give it to him 15 times a game, and you give it to Gainwell nine times a game. 
And sure. you start your offense with a run game, then you get a play-action pass game off of that because that kind of pass game defines reads for the quarterback. And that's how you start your offense. Seems like right I'm now limiting they're just putting to, him in to, the gun, and and he's a gun quarterback. Yeah, it seems like it's limiting him by putting him in the gun. Um, you're not using I don't know his if limiting mobility. Him is the right word, but I think it's it's asking him to do some things that, based on his experience, he's right. probably not ready to do. He's not Russell Wilson out there slinging it. No, not yeah. not at this point. <clears throat> well, while while we're on them. Uh, KC the matchup this week and a lot of man to man. I mean, do you see this? This this could be a little bit of a problem here with this matchup. The Chief D against an undermanned Eagle O line and and a let's let's be honest, kind of a struggling quarterback. Um, yeah, and I think the Eagles. I don't know what their approach is going to be. Um. <clears throat> Well, what teams Chiefs, are running on the Chiefs. So. What the Chiefs faced last week is not what they're going to face this week. Brandon Staley did something last week that was very surprising. Is He played high, high percentage man-to-man coverage against the Chiefs. High percentage. Wow. Two-man and cover one. And he basically, the note I made, and I'm going to go to it right now because I was thinking about it, watching that game, saying to myself, okay, what do I really want to say about this game? So I said, the Chargers challenged Mahomes and the receivers to be precise in everything they did, and they did not execute at the needed level of consistent efficiency. Now, they ran the ball better, and I thought their O-line was dominant in the run game, and I actually think they could have a dominant run-blocking O-line. I just don't know if they're going to play that way. Um, and then here's what I said about Mahomes. Mahomes has increasingly become more and more of a second reaction movement quarterback, often leaving the pocket prematurely. His outstanding natural throwing ability will always allow him to make throws, but he needs to settle down and play more with fundamental technique within the structure of the passing game. Now, I know what people are going to say when I say that. They're going to say I'm an idiot because they still score a lot of points. But I'm just evaluating Mahomes as an isolated player. Greg, I've been saying this. If you recall, since the end of last year, I, I actually said a week or two ago, like it's almost a moot point to analyze Mahomes because you really can't isolate much. Is it possible that Andy Reid every, knows everything he just said and says to himself, self, you know, I have a number one pick at running back here and Andy Heck is a freaking good O-line coach, and we're already blocking it up pretty well. Maybe, maybe we commit a little bit more to the run here. We'll see if that happens because, like I said, I thought their O-line looked really strong in the run game. I thought they ran multiple run game concepts, and I thought Edwards Hilaire looked laterally quick and explosive. I thought he ran with patience and vision. I thought he ran well. And like I said, to me, that O-line is built to dominate in the run game. And yeah. They're not going to become a run-first team. We know that, John. But, you know, don't forget Westbrook did have a you know year under Andy where I think he had like 250-plus carries, if not sure. more. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to say, you know what, let's try to run the ball a little more. I mean, it does make some sense based on everything we're saying. I here. mean, you got Orlando Brown, 
Huge man, road grader. You got Trey Smith, who to me can become a dominant run-blocking guard in this league. You got Tooney, who's a very good player. I mean, these guys to me are run blockers first. Yeah, yeah. The year you're talking about, well, there's two years for Westbrook, um, who I know a little bit. I work with, as you know, on TV. And I told him, I said, I ranked him at six overall in 2006. And he was coming off a good... Not yeah, how many carries did he have in like those two consecutive years? 240 in 06 and then 278 in 07. There you go. So, I'm, I mean, do you have to get to 278 with Edwards O'Leary? No, but why can't you get to 220? Exactly, yeah. Okay, well, I'm very quickly on this matchup here, obviously the Eagles play like no man, but it seems like, too, as uh, Brian Greasy brought out on the – you know, the broadcast, I believe, like they do seem a little uncertain back there. I mean, it's a new system. I mean, are they ripe for the picking here? Yeah. And I think, you know what you're going to get. That's the thing. So, you know, after all we just said, it would not surprise me at all if they come out tossing the ball over the yard because they know what they're going to get. The Eagles are not all of a sudden going to morph into a man-to-man team. First of all, they can't match up. So the Eagles have played the lowest percentage of man coverage in the NFL through three weeks. I think they played less than 10% cover one through, through three oh, it weeks. It is. It's 9.5%. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that's dramatically going to change, to be honest with you. I mean, their coverage profile is split safety, high percentage zone coverage. They don't, they don't blitz. When they blitz, this is a surprise. They actually sacked Dak last week on a blitz that, you know, they rarely do that either. So you kind of know what you're going to get. They don't match their corners, so you know you're not going to get anyone matched on Hill. But Hill moves all over anyway, so it doesn't matter. You can't be a tougher. Who'll be a tougher matchup here for them, Hill or Kelsey? Well, Kelsey's tough too, and you you have to have an answer for the their one by three set where Kelsey's the single receiver to the boundary, and they've got three receivers to the trip side. You've got to have some kind of answer to that because they they kill teams with that. Well, speaking of uh, getting killed, let's talk uh, Justin Fields. <clears throat> yeah. And I- I've been around the block, Greg. I know when something like this happens, there- there's usually like four or five, six, seven reasons. I know Fields didn't see the field. He didn't process. The O-line wasn't good. Miles Garrett was a man. The play calling. Everything was just bad for the Bears and Fields. But give us your Cliff Notes version of what well, happened. what they tried to do is is – they featured quick game as a foundation of the pass game. So the ball has to come out quick. They tried to create those opportunities for him to do that. Um, could they have done more boot action? Their first design movement came on his seventh drop back. So you could certainly make the argument that they should have done that sooner. Although I will say the times they did it, it looked like the, uh, the Browns knew the play call. Um, <clears throat> I would say that there were throws that were there to be made and fields did not pull the trigger. Um, the second sack of the game was on fields. The play design was shotgun play action with a quick slant by Mooney from the slot. The throw was there to be made, but fields did not turn it loose. And then he got sacked by Usukuramo on a green dog from the backside. Third sack. I'm just giving you a few thoughts here. Third sack came when fields had time in the, in the pocket. Um, he was slow to eliminate that he didn't have the throw at the intermediate level. He did have a check down to the other side. Now that was a little bit of a tough ask. He's not quite ready for that. 
Um, he left the pocket and was sacked. Um, overall, at this moment in time, and that's all we can say, John, at this moment in time, Fields is not seeing things. He was locked in on reads with almost no sense of elimination and isolation. He was at times both too fast and at other times hesitant. Uh, he doesn't have an innate sense of what's open in the NFL that you got to turn it loose. So can we sit here and say that they should have protected more or, you know, differently, not more differently? Um, or can we say they should have, you know, rolled them out more, called more design runs? Sure, you can say that. But it's a combination. You know, Fields yeah. is not is not quite ready to, to play. You could argue Zach Wilson's not quite ready to play either. You know, yeah, but, sure, but sure. you know, yeah, sometimes all, that happens. Sometimes that happens with young quarterbacks. They're all struggling right now. All yeah. Of, you know, Mac Jones looked like uh, you know, the second coming of Brady, and all of a sudden for a couple of weeks, and all of a sudden things starting to unravel. He lost James White, it's it, it, being needed to yeah, throw I more. Mean, and, you know, this happens, you know. You know, when 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 Zach Wilson struggles, you know, again, people aren't saying that the Jets play callers are idiots. I mean, you, you know, you, you, to me, you just that's an easy thing to say. But let's move. We, yeah, we know we know that's always said and that's fine. Yeah, let's move on, because there's another quarterback who last year people said a little bit of a slow processor, a little bit of a see it throw guy yet. Justin Herbert has had absolutely no problem. And in fact, uh, to your point in the notes that you sent me <clears throat> from your film study, it, amazingly apparent, you know, that he's amazingly great within the timing of the play, basically. Like, I mean, I'm looking at Justin Herbert thinking we may be looking at the greatest combination of physical traits and attributes and, and mental abilities here with, with Herbert. Um. Yeah, I would agree. I think Herbert has been so good. Um, and I, like you said, you looked at my notes and I said he has a refined feel for the timing and rhythm of the passing game. Just to give you an example, we're struggling in the matchup show to do Justin Herbert plays because everything is so rhythmic and the ball comes out and they're, they're nine-yard yeah. plays. Yeah. You know, it's and like then, everything is going up against a prevent defense or something. And then a couple of the plays, like the longer ones, were busts. Like the 43-yarder to Williams was a bust by the Chiefs. The 20-yard touchdown to Williams was just, you know, he he um, he threw it, you know, he, he beat a corner. He, he got – Williams ran a great route to get on top of use with space to the outside. So, you know, those are not plays we necessarily do in the matchup show because one's a bust and one is pretty much his receiver winning one-on-one. So – you know, but he just gets the ball out to the right receiver at the right time. While while he clearly has a big arm with big playability at the intermediate and deeper deeper levels, John, he does not wait in the pocket when that rhythmic throw is there. He he gets it out and he and he keeps moving the chains. That's what I mean. Like the guy sees it and processes yeah. it quickly. And yeah, he's a giant out there with a big arm and he runs well. I mean. Again, a hard prize. I'm sure there's others comparable, but he's got to be way up there in terms of just God-given gifts. Um, when you watch Mike Williams out there, I don't know how much, I think you've seen at least two games. It, it's already looking egregious how he was utilized before this season, Greg. Well, he's a pretty talented kid. I mean, he's. <clears throat> we'll see how the season plays out, uh, and he's in his contract year, but he's he's playing very well. He's a big man. He can run. Um, you know, 
he's 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 playing really well. Unstop- right now. He's unstoppable right now yeah. with Herbert. So, um, yeah, no, they're they're a, they're kind of in an odd way, and and one of my guys that works with me on the matchup show, you know, said, and in an odd way, it's true. He said the way Herbert plays, even though he is athletic, that he, he looks mechanical at times in a good way. Yeah, like robotic, but sure, sure of himself. Robotic. But robotic in a good way, like he drops yeah. back and delivers the ball. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's it's a weird deal, but I know he's 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 playing at a pretty high level. He's a good player, and and you know, it's funny how with what Brandon Staley did, and that 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 was a game to say. You know, we can match up with the big boys. You know, we're, we're going for the jugular. I don't care about the clock. I don't care. We're, we're, he did it on both sides of the ball. He played man coverage and he had Herbert and he had Herbert go for it at the end of the game and basically say, I'm, I'm not trying to win the game with clock management. I'm trying to win the game because I'm going to show you that I'm tougher and better than you are. With Derek Carr over in Herbert's division. Oh, that offense is fun to watch, John. Yeah, year four with Gruden, so they're feeling it. And I got to tell you, I remember when they drafted Henry Ruggs, my first thought was, oh, they want Tyreek. I'm starting to think they might be getting something close to Tyreek. I, mean, I know that's very premature, but he there were flashes last week uh, and the week before. I'm like, he, he kind of does look like Tyreek to me. Any thoughts? Well, I think that their offense is – you know, none of it. I don't know whether Gruden's a good or bad head coach. I know he's ten games under five hundred coming into this season. They they've started off three and zero. They do so many good things offensively, both with their use of personnel, formations, concepts in the pass game. I mean, they're a fun offense to watch. Complex? Would you say multi? Um, I'd say they have the illusion of complexity. Ooh, wow! Yes, that's what I would say. I would say they have the illusion of complexity. Uh, do do I, I know you like Hunter Renfro? I mean, who doesn't? Oh, who doesn't? I mean, he's like kind of perfect <clears throat> slot receiver. I mean, what else yeah. can you ask for? Um, other than like you know being bigger or stronger and faster. I mean, uh, how about Edwards and and Rugs? I mean, again, well, Edwards caught some big balls late in that game, and I think they they might have both come against man coverage. Um, I think Edwards is is you know you know how I feel about him. Um, again. I don't know what the numbers are going to be. You know, I don't, I can't answer that, but um, you know, I think that, that he's a, he's a really good player. He's going to predominantly be their ex. Yeah. It's a good compliment. As yeah. I said last week with, with uh, geez, I almost called him Tyreek Henry Ruggs. Can we get some more work for Ruggs near the line of scrimmage? A la Tyreek Hill. That'd be nice. Uh, you know what? They do that a little bit that that's coming. I mean, they, they had a great concept this week. And I saw one last year as well with Rugs, where they, when they know they're getting man, they put him in motion to the formation, and then they immediately snap him back out. And that guy playing a man is, you know, running the other way, and Rugs is so quick, and the ball gets out quick that he gets room. You know, he had a 21 yard run, 21 yard reception this week on that concept. Um, you know, it's, it's usually a man concept because there's a rub element involved with it. But no, I think. The week before against Pittsburgh, he caught that dig ball for 30 yards, you know. Um, so, look, I don't know if he's going to be an 80-catch guy, but he's going to be part of their offense, John. Two more here. Oh, for sure. Um, our, our subscribers all drafted him. 
uh, you know, it's going okay. He was a very late pick. He was a breakout candidate. Uh, two more quickly, Viking offense. And any any thoughts you see on Seattle? I, I have a bad feeling about Seattle right now. I, I think they're not looking uh, – the, the future is not looking rosy in my opinion. But um, how about this Viking O-line? I, I cannot believe the protection, and I haven't seen every single play yet. No, they're doing a good job. They're doing a good I, job. I mean, and, Rashad and they, Hill, left tackle, Greg. Yeah. They're very Kirk- efficient. I mean, they – you know, look, they played a team this in the Seahawks that plays – a ton of, of zone. The Seahawks do not play it particularly well. Um, the corners struggle outside the numbers, Flowers and Reed. Um, the Vikings work high-low concepts in the middle of the field and the one-on-ones on the outside. Cousins was super efficient. Cousins has been unbelievable, which you would expect um, on first down because yeah. everybody's playing the run. His first down passing numbers through three games are ridiculous. Um, and Freaking so, Madison looked like Dal Cook out there last week. Without question. And Seattle's defense has some real issues. I still think they they don't know. This is just from a tape a tape study comment. Not That's all. I sense they don't know exactly what to do with Jamal Adams. Because yeah. Jamal Adams is essentially a 5'11", 212-pound linebacker. That's what he essentially is. And he's not going to be covering George Kittle this week, per se, at I all. Would, not not a lot. I mean, right. there might be plays, but they they've played high percentage. Just so you know, they've played high percentage uh, zone. They're not a big man coverage team. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. You know, but you gave up all this all this draft capital for this guy, and like, yeah, it makes some splashy sacks and all that. But well, you got you got Kittle this week. Uh, what do you got? And uh, probably not going to be on him a ton. <clears throat> they've also, you know, the Seahawks have faced the most rushing attempts of any team in the NFL, and they're allowing 4.47 yards per attempt. They've really been bad on first down in the run game. Um, They can't get off the field on third down. Their defense has faced the most plays through three games, and their offense has run the fewest plays through three games. How's Jimmy G look? Still no rush to yank him from that lineup? No, I thought he had a really nice second half. I thought he was efficient. You know, that's about running the offense. That's not about Trey Lance running around. That's that's not the way right. Kyle sees his offense. Now, having said that, could Trey Lance come in and play? Sure, because things are well-defined. So that could well happen soon, depending on how things go. But I don't think that's a case of, oh, we got to get Trey Lance out there. You know, I think Jimmy G runs the offense. Yeah, my, my, they got to run the ball better. Their offense yeah. is built on the run game. And, John, as you know, they've not been able to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, they got 17 guys involved already through three games. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean, Jeff Wilson may be returning in in a couple of weeks here. Um, damn, I had another point here on uh, – oh, and and if you're Shanahan, this is what I thought it would be. There's no rush. James Garoppolo is my starter. If he's playing well and we're winning, great. Um, but if, if not – oh, what's that? I have to – I have to now play Trey Lance. Okay, I guess, right? I mean, it's a win-win, really. Well, that's why you could see Lance. You know, obviously, Seattle. Seattle's not played particularly well. And, you know, I don't think their offense has been – look, like I said, their offense is somewhat a function of the defense as well, and that's why they run the fewest offensive plays. But, you know, I, I think going back to the final seven, eight games a year ago through the first three this year – I think Russell Wilson has had great moments, but 
but I don't think he's been as good as he had been up to that point in his career overall. You know, even maybe even the numbers this year are a little bit of a smoke and mirror job too, in terms of overall, like how well is this offense looking and what's their margin for error too, week to week. That's my concern. And yep. uh, Ger- Gerald Everett on the COVID list uh, this week as well. And finally, like you've always been very outspoken on Stafford. Uh, he was one of our top quarterbacks to target. Well, the he only reason one- I was outspoken, John, is because the tape tells me to be outspoken. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, and that speaks to the talent that we're talking about. Right. You know, um, you know but yeah, we, we were kind of all in on him. And I got to tell you, like, this is one of those scenarios where there's all kinds of hype and I'm, I'm raising expectations and they're delivering the goods. I mean, you couldn't be more pleased watching this offense, I would think. No, it's a fun offense to watch. They're really good with their, con- their past game concepts. They attack, they have answers for both man and zone. Um, they're, they're, they're really good in the pass game and Stafford, you know, he can just make more throws than Goff can. So it's, it's, it's kind of a fun offense to watch. And I, I don't know, you probably didn't see it. I, I was watching the Mannings on Monday night. I did see it. And when they had Stafford on. No, I, I didn't see that, but I did see a lot oh, of the Manning broadcasts. I did in enjoy the it. Quarter, and Peyton asked him about his arm, you know, and it, you know, is it the same now as it was, you know, back in the day? And, you could tell Stafford wanted to be self-deprecating and kind of say, well, maybe it's not. But you also could tell by his smile that he really wanted to say it's it's still pretty good. It's still no problem. Yeah. But he just yeah. didn't want to come across that way. Yeah. Seems like an incredible guy. I love the Manning broadcast. He is very, man. very – I mean, I've talked to people who've coached him. He is incredibly intelligent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> kid uh, – parents uh, – kudos to his parents, man, for – you know, just, just raising a guy that talented and keeping a head on his shoulders is very impressive. Uh, I, I do love the Mannings broadcast. I love how they boil things down. Like, I don't consider myself a major, major, major football head. I, all I want to do is get the answers right. That's it. Right? Well, they, so, they, they, they're they sitting there watching, you know, the high-end coaching tape shot, and they see things. I wish I could see things as fast as they do because they see it immediately. It's, 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 that's why I enjoy watching it because yeah. I, I enjoy the football part of it the most. I mean, um, you know, obviously sometimes they have great guests. Sometimes their guests I'm, I'm not that thrilled with, but um, they see the football stuff instantaneously, John. It's, it's amazing. It is amazing. But they also just talk in ways that, like, you know, that I understand it, it's hard right. to articulate. It's hard right. to articulate, but they're like speaking my language, you know, <clears throat> and I don't consider myself a huge football snob nerd guy. So I, it's weird that they're the Mannings, they're royalty. And yet I feel like they're speaking to the, the every guy, you know, right. the, the average yeah. Joe. So. No, it's, it's, I, I enjoy that. No, I do too. And, and, and you know what I enjoy the most? I enjoy Eli's just cutting, you know, Oh, slicing yeah. wit, yeah. you know, yeah. the sarcasm. <laughs> Both of them, too, you know, breaking balls. Well, Greg, you see that? The convo is just, it was too entertaining and enjoyable. We went a little over here. Well, that's, so. You know, John, that's what we want to do on Wednesday nights. We just move all around, you know, and we get my pointless point of views here and we just move all around. Well, I think uh, hopefully this is a good listen here for 39 minutes. Um, definitely gaining a ton of insight. Um, about week four and beyond here. So we'll wrap it now. And of course, this is just a preview of the content we have at fantasypoints.com with Greg Cosell. You can hear Greg's thoughts on all the matchups every week with me and Adam Kaplan, the live stream 
his notes, and all the other content. Use promo code 21HANSON10 and save 10% off your subscription. That'll wrap it up for Greg Cosell. I'm John Hanson. Good luck in week four. We'll catch you next week, the Fantasy Points Matchup Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Yeah.